Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Grasshopper.com. Save $50 on your order at www.TryGrasshopper.com forward slash Paratruth. Welcome to Paratruth Radio, the Christmas edition. <laughs> What's going on, Paratruthers? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio, the Christmas edition. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And I hope you... Enjoy the intro that Eric put together for these next couple of episodes because, quite honestly, it's probably one of the best intros we've had, <laughs> excluding the 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 our second one, which Eric I, I guess Eric's done all of our intros. But <laughs> none, none, I digress. <laughs> Welcome to the the uh, Christmas edition of Paratruth Radio. So uh, I want to get right into it, guys, because it's actually a going to be a really interesting episode. Uh, we're going to get into some interesting characters from the past. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, for those of you listening at paratruthradio.com, TMV Cafe, Fringe Radio Network, and Paranormal UK Radio Network, let's get ready to expose some lies. December 25th is a joyful time of year when we celebrate the birth of Christ the Savior. Now over the centuries, many legends have spread. Some include tiny reindeer and the big man in red. But some legends are darker, and perhaps we should dread. For some contain monsters that snatch children from their bed. All right, folks. So tonight we're going to be giving a breakdown of different monsters from Christmas lore. And we're going to do this in a uh, countdown setting was there anything that surprised you about the the different monsters that we looked up for this episode? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I came to you with this last week because I come across it. Like, you don't really think of monsters on Christmas, right? right? I mean, we think of one maybe, and we'll get to that later. But you know, it, I came across this like, oh my gosh, there's actually monsters around the world. Which go figure, we should have known this. Um, <laughs> yeah. That are beside Krampus, you know, something other than Krampus, who has like this main stage of glory, if you will, uh, on the horror side of stuff. But there's other guys and. In this case, girls, <laughs> uh, on the list that we have. And it's actually really interesting because some of these characters, uh, are based off of true stories and some of them are just simply legends that were made up either through German folklore or, you know, otherwise, uh, English, Ireland, uh, you know, things like that. Um, but there are a couple in here that I think are really interesting. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong, I think they're all interesting, but you'll see that over the course of the night, we're going to just kind of rush through a couple of them and then spend more time on others. And the ones that we're going to spend time on, I think, are the ones that are the most interesting to us and we think would be the most interesting to all of you as well. Um, but, yeah, there's a, there's a few things in here that I think are really cool. What about you? I, I It shocked me how much horror is is associated with Christmas yeah, and it, it's just interesting to see how different cultures got children to get in line with being good, especially during the holiday season. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to break them all down. Absolutely. All right, so we're going with number eight. Number eight is Gorilla, who is actually a giantess. Uh, she kind of coincides with number seven, the Yule Lads. Now, Grilla is a giant woman from the uh, 17th century. Uh, she's based in Icelandic lore. She had 13 sons, the Yule Lads, and a giant cat, which we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, Grilla was hideous. She was half ogre, half troll, and she had hooves, horns, and 15 tails, not to mention large warts on her nose. Now, her sons, which were 
which had names like Spoon Licker, Window Peeper, and Meat Hook, went into town where they would snatch unruly children and bring them back to be cooked in a stew. And the cat, the family cat, would eat once a year when they cooked this stew. By 1746, Icelandic youngsters were so terrified of being eaten that they wouldn't leave their homes, so the government stepped in and put a ban on using Gorilla as an intimidation tactic. After that, the ogress and her brood cleaned up their images. Gorilla decided to send her sons into town only 13 days before Christmas, and they were instructed to spread holiday joy rather than fear. One at a time wearing a red and white suit, the boys now traveled down from the mountains and placed gifts and shoes that children leave on their windowsills. If the child of the house is good, they receive a small toy. If they're bad, they get a rotten potato. But the bad kids figure rotten potatoes are better than being eaten, so they aren't put out too too much. (laughs) Oh, I I mean, and we can kind of tie this all together, but... You can see how some of this lore obviously links to Santa Claus. What's interesting about Gorilla is that even today, uh, she's known as a big troublemaker uh, in Icelandic legend. And so in 2010, there was an eruption of a volcano and the Onion, which I believe is a news source or a, a newspaper source, magazine, something like that, uh, actually blamed her for the eruption of the volcano in Iceland, which is Pretty interesting because you think in modern times, you know, when a volcano erupts, we don't blame God for it necessarily. You know, we don't blame whatever, you know, I mean, some people probably say, oh, it's a demon. That's the volcano demon that's doing that. Or but, they'll, you know, they'll ask God, why, why, why are you doing this? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that. I, you know what? I don't think with, with that type of thing, I don't think it's so much that people are actually actually concerned or believe that God's the one who's doing it. I think they're so distraught with certain situations that that's what they just well, they put it, the blame on I mean, something yeah. or someone. It's easy to put the blame on somebody. We've all done it. Uh, we do it. We will do it. It's, you know, it's weird. But anyway, stay on topic. Let's stay on. No rabbit trails. You Easter mean, isn't for several months. You mean reindeer trails? <laughs> well, <laughs> oh gosh, let's, let's not change it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, what I think is important here, though, because you had said that Gorilla uh, and the Yule Lads, they actually take kids and cook them and eat them. But it's not just any kid. It's kids who disobeyed their parents in particular. Yeah. Um. So so there's a reason there's a fear factor here, because obviously if it's any kids, then even the kids that are good, like what's what's the point of being good? They're going to get eaten anyway, you know. Um. So it's important to say that these monsters, all the monsters on the list uh, tonight, are specifically going after the bad kids who either disobey their parents or who aren't doing their chores or which you'll find out later who don't have new clothes. Yes, that's a question. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) So now we have number six, Pierre Futard, number five, Hans Trapp, and number four, Bell's Nickel. Now, these three characters... And Eric, you can correct me if I'm wrong. All are uh, a part of the father whipper or the whipping father lore uh, that go along with some legends to, to Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nickel would dress up it, basically like a homeless guy. And if kids were good, he would give them candy. If they were bad, he would give them switches, which... It's kind of weird because I don't know if he meant to, for them to beat themselves or if he would come back and use the switches on them. I'm not sure if you came across anything for that. I did not, but I'm assuming it. maybe it's more so a, uh, a, reminder, a reminder of what could be, you know, like a warning, if you will. Uh, Hans Trapp was a, another anti-Santa or anti-Claus character who was actually a real rich man in life. Uh, he ended up being excommunicated from the Catholic Church and started worshiping Satan. Uh, he was exiled to the forest where he started going insane, dressing up kind of like a scarecrow to uh, scare children. And he ended up uh, 
catching a child, about to eat him. He had cut him up, about to eat him, and then he was struck down by lightning by God because God was done with seeing this particular heinous act going on. Uh, the f- well, hold on, hold on. I want to, I want to hold you off right there because I'm not sure if what you just said that was completely true based on my research. Uh, you said that he had found, he had, was about to eat one boy that he had chopped up. Mm. Um, but in my research, he didn't actually chop up the boy or even kill him. He was about to eat one boy that he captured, uh, who's maybe holding hostage. And when he was about to eat him, then he was struck by lightning. And as, you had said some believe that he was then punished by God for his awful acts. So I think this kid actually survived based on legend. Well, this one, it was, uh, I got this from scaryforkids.com. It says, mm-hmm. one day he spotted a young shepherd boy making his way through the woods. The boy was only 10 years of age, but Hans Trapp had, was determined to kill and eat him. As he stared at the young boy, he began to drool at the mouth, imagining biting into his delicious tender flesh. Before the boy knew what was happening, Hans Trapp pounced, attacking him viciously and running him through with a sharpened stick. Then he dragged the dying child back to his shack, where he cut the boy into small pieces and roasted them over an open fire. Hmm. <laughs> See, mental floss doesn't quite go into that. It's it's a little weird, you know. That's the problem with legends. You never know what's really true. There's so many stories out there. So either one of these are true, could be true. And either way, frankly, this guy was either one a monster. Could, now, both could be wrong, uh, you know, but all right. Well, there you have it, folks. If you come up across anything that may be different or vastly similar to either these two, our two versions of the story, let us know because I'm sure there's many out there. Um, you were about to talk about uh, Pierre Fotard, right? Yep, this is the last guy. And actually, I think we had covered him way back when we first started Night Stalkers. Uh, you had just kind of brought him up because we were talking about Krampus and you'd come across this story too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was known as the Butcher. Um, though there are plenty of legends and stories associated with uh, Pierre Futard, the most popular one is that of an innkeeper or a butcher, this is who this person was, who captured three wealthy boys who were on their way to the religious boarding school. Their religious boarding school, excuse me. With the help of his wife, he robs the kids and kills them. St. Nicholas, who discovers the crime, resurrects the children. Seeing this, Pierre Futard repents in the decision and becomes the assistant of St. Nicholas, offering to show gratitude wherever required. Some versions of the story say that St. Nicholas prompted him to be his assistant as a punishment for his crimes. Now, this can link to... Uh, uh, Krampus, because we'll get into Krampus when we, at the very end, but he's got these similar traits where he's kind of this evil being guy and he goes around punishing the bad kids and, uh, Santa rewards the good ones. Um, <laughs> so it's interesting because this is another malevolent guy that somehow is linked to Santa. Right. Well, one thing I want to point, there's actually two things I want to point out here. Uh, the first is the name Pierre Fautiard. Uh, the, the name actually translates to Father Whipper. Um, and so I don't know if that's necessarily his real name or perhaps it, most likely a name given to him afterwards as right. he goes around whipping children now, um, according to legend. The other thing I want to mention is Justin mentioned St. Nicholas. I, I want to just throw it out there and let you guys know that in this sense, St. Nicholas isn't referring to Santa Claus. The legend of Santa Claus, we're actually referring to the actual man, Saint Nicholas, uh, who we talked about last week. Uh, so we're talking about a Christian monk in this case who was able to resurrect the dead. Cause that, when I read this, Justin, the first thing I thought was, I didn't know Santa Claus could bring the dead back to life. <laughs> I didn't I've realize heard such a story. Saint Nicholas had any, <laughs> any powers like that either. Right. But you know what? But we hear about many of the saints. Um, and here's one thing that, it's slight rabbit trail. You know, people think, oh, a saint is, you know, St. Peter, St. Saint, Michael, St. Saint, you know, et cetera, et cetera, uh, St. Paul. You know, the people from the old days, the people from the Bible, the disciples, the apostles, et cetera, are the saints. But in reality, a saint is any person who is a Christian, who has come to the Lord uh, and believes in Christ's death and resurrection uh, and ultimate salvation uh, for mankind. 
So in reality, someone like me is a saint, someone who just simply believes, who's a true Christian uh, of the Lord is a saint. Um, So anyone can really be a saint as long as you believe in the Lord. And I think there's this weird delusion that the term saint means that you're perfect. You are 100%. You do nothing wrong, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not true because humanity isn't perfect and can't be perfect. However, we're saints in the eyes of God because God sees us as Jesus, not as who we really are, but as he sees Jesus within us, basically, which makes us that saint. Um, small rabbit trail there, but just something I wanted to bring up so we're not thinking, oh, Santa Claus is the one who showed up. Because in my mind, he was a crazy crazy image of this dude in a red suit <laughs> hopping like Rudolph handle it. And he blinds, you know, Pierre Fortude and it just, it's crazy. But <laughs> that's actually a very interesting image. I, it, that didn't even cross my mind when I read it. <laughs> when I saw St. Uh, Nicholas, I thought St. Nicholas, not Santa Claus. Yeah. Uh, another thing I want to bring up, I'm actually going to jump back to number four here with bells and nickel. Um, Bell's Nickel was originally developed in German lore, southwestern German lore, Mm -hmm. uh, and he had traveled to the United States and survives now in Pennsylvania Dutch customs, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really interesting. So he still exists. You know, the belief system is still there even today. uh, To some people, he's more than just a legend probably. Right. Um, Well, it's so funny too that a lot of these – Legends and folklore come from German, Iceland, like that, that area where it's like old country. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's just interesting to see that a lot of them are linked to, to Germany, uh, Romania. A lot of them are, are linked to that Iceland, Poland. Um, so it's just real, real interesting. Um, and that even gets into number three, Frau Perchta. And since you were super interested in this one, I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So, you know, I was reading the story on Frau and it's really quite frightening. You know, I mean, we talked about last week, we, last week, actually, did we bring it up last week, Brock? One of the witches up last week. That uh, was uh, Labafana from. That was Labafana. Okay, Um, Labafana is Italian. Um, Frau, on the other hand, is another German and Austria uh, legend. Uh, So she's told in Germany and Austria, uh, and she hands out, much like some of the others on this list, both rewards and punishments during the 12 days of Christmas, and specifically the 12 days of Christmas, uh, in particular between December 25th and through Epiphany on January 6th. Now, she's best known for her gruesome punishment of the sinful, and this is what really got me interested in this story because it's just disgusting. Uh, legend has it that she will rip out your internal organs and replace them with garbage, which is pretty gross. Uh, there is another, <laughs> to say the least, right? Yeah. Uh, there's also another legend, though, that exists that says that she'll replace your organs with uh, pebbles and straw. Right. Pebbles and straw. Both are just obviously horrible. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, interesting. Uh, I don't want to say legend again, but. It's, that's what it is. Just interesting legend. <laughs> yeah. Now, Perchta's story is thought to have descended from a legendary alpine goddess of nature who tends the forest most of the year uh, and, and deals with humans only during Christmas. Now, in modern celebrations, Perchta or a close relation uh, may show up in possessions during Fashtna, uh, the alpine festival just before Lent. And, of course, there may be some connection, as we mentioned earlier, between her and La Befana, uh, which is also very possible. We, we were actually talking about this with uh, – oh, forgive me. I don't remember his name. But we had someone on uh, our show, a guest, uh, several – maybe a couple months ago. We were talking about – I think we have someone we had on the show. We were talking about how legends seem to change from one culture to the next. Uh, we were talking about myths and, like, 
Bigfoot and things like that. We're discussing just how legends seem to change. Uh, And that's basically what's happening here too. You know, maybe it's the same legend that's being transformed by Italians as opposed to uh, the Germany and Austria lore, uh, which is why Frau Perchta and La Befina could be the exact same witch. The only difference is that La Befina is actually an ugly witch, just like Frau Perchta, but she's also a good witch who only leaves presents. Uh, so she doesn't go around harming children or anybody else for that matter. Well, the, the image of, of, uh, Frau would kind of dictate that a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. because there's descriptions of her kind of looking more like Krampus with horns and kind of a beastie face. Um, where then there's some that describe her as a tall white robed woman, Mm -hmm. but one K, uh, one legend that goes back to Eastern Europe, uh, is where she's got two faces, a, a, I guess what you would consider a beautiful face or just a a regular woman's face. And then the ugly witch's face on the opposite side. And depending on if you were naughty or nice, you either loved her or you, you hated her. You're terrified of her, whatever. Uh, but that could go in line with La Bafana where maybe it was a Frau Perkta who did the punishing where La Bafana rewarded just like a lot of these other legends that go along with Santa Claus. Right. Well, and here's what's interesting too is because there's actually three things that she does. Obviously we had mentioned she, if she's, you know, she has a good side, apparently, which I don't know if you really consider a good side if you have a, such an evil, dark side as well. Uh, but on the 12th night of Christmas, the Feast of the Epiphany, she would creep into homes and leave a piece of silver in the shoes of children mm. uh, who were good that year. However, if you were bad that year, then, you know, that's when things get a little, <laughs> little dicey. <laughs> Uh, you know, Santa just puts a piece of coal in your stocking and say, fix it next year, you know, <laughs> and she just kills you. <laughs> well, if you believe that you even die, because it really doesn't say they die. It just says they stuff their guts full of garbage. Uh, if the organs are missing, they're dead. Do you not see the pictures of this demon and this witch with these two little kids? These two little kids are obviously dead. They're just they're zombies or something now, so it's it's creepy. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Sometimes Persia, which is interesting, is portrayed with one extra large foot as well. Yeah. Which commonly can mean or people might take that she's a shapeshifter and therefore can transform into a number of different creatures or images, whether it be human or animal or otherwise, uh, which again – takes that to a whole new nother level of what she's capable of doing and what she might show up as. Well, and um, that kind of goes along with the two faces too. Right. Absolutely. That's true. That's true. The transformation there. Uh, and I think what's interesting though, is that maybe these faces, like when we look at the modern side of things, you know, cause I'm thinking, and we haven't brought up werewolves in a while, but when you look at the werewolf, you know, when you look at uh, the legends of vampires, things like that, mm-hmm. you know, they're, there's a rather seductive side of them, you know, a, a right. human side, a normal side, but then they have a split personality and that evil side comes out. And that's where you get the werewolf. That's where you get this vampire. That's where you're getting this witch all of a sudden. Mm. And so I think some of this legend is actually based uh, on some sort of truth in the fact that some human beings are capable of being both this good and bad, you know, being both good and evil, uh, almost two-faced, if you will. Mm. So, uh, you know, I, I think there is this type of interesting symbolism here with Frau that I think people can really relate to, unfortunately, but also could help could maybe learn from, you know, and thinking, okay, where do I see myself? Where do I fit into this legend? Obviously, we're not cutting up kids, and so that's just terrible. But... Where's that personality? Can you be a jerk at times? Yes, you can, Justin, because you're a jerk sometimes. I'm kidding, we're, guys. We're all he's, capable he's of being a jerk at times. We're all capable of being a jerk. But you know what I'm what I'm saying here, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I think it's something – obviously we should – this is a learning experience. This is not a uh, someone-to-look-up-to experience. So. <laughs> I know I wouldn't want my guts cut out and shoved garbage inside. That would just be awful. 
Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on to number two. Yola Katurin. Katurin. Yola Katurin. (laughs) Are you sure you got that correctly? No, I don't. But we're going with Yola Katurin. Uh, is the Christmas cat. And again, another one that you wanted to touch base on, so I will let you tell the legend of yes. the old cat. I love this legend. The Christmas cat is just hilarious to me, and it's also still kind of creepy. Um, <laughs> and it has nothing to do with the fact that I have a cat. Uh, you know, but when you think of a cat, you think of this little, you know, little cute bundle of fur. Um, and of course, if you think of a big cat, you think tigers lions, things like that. You know, obviously if this cat's going to eat you, then you're looking at something that is big like a lion. But that's not quite the case when Mm -hmm. it comes to the Christmas cat. Why? Because legend has it that the Christmas cat stands tall above many houses. Uh, This thing is a giant, which would make sense because the Christmas cat is actually the cat of the Yule Lads and Gorilla. It lives with them. But unlike the... Legend of Gorilla and the U Lads, where you had mentioned that the cat eats once a year when Gorilla cooks up these children. Uh, the actual legend of the Christmas cat, and I'm saying Christmas cat because I can't pronounce its real name. <laughs> so <laughs> Christmas cat, Yule cat, that that works for me too. Yeah, the real legend of the Christmas cat actually shows him or her, whatever it is, going off on its own and finding children to punish. And I think what's interesting about this is it punishes children in a much different way uh, or based on much different circumstances than some of these other characters on our list because he doesn't just punish children for being bad. Instead, he punishes children who didn't receive new clothes. Weird. <laughs> a little weird. We got a cat with a sense of style somehow. Um <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> basically what would happen is the Yule cat or the Christmas cat could tell who the lazy children were because they didn't have at least one new item of clothing for Christmas. And then these children would be sacrificed to the Yule cat. So what's the point of that? What does that mean? Well, basically he knows they're lazy because according to the lore, uh, if you were a lazy child, you wouldn't get new clothes for Christmas. But if you did your chores and you were good – their parents would buy them new clothes. So that's how he could differentiate who was good and who, in this case, was bad or lazy. And as he would walk through the town, he would peer in through the windows of these children. And whoever he saw had good clothes, he'd just move on. But whoever he saw with bad clothes, he would then break into the window or whatever and gobble the kids right out of bed and eat them right there and then. He wouldn't save them or take them back to, you know, the hideout. He'd just eat them. And that was it. That was the end. So the story of the Yule Cat is actually pretty old and likely dates back to the Dark Ages, uh, though the oldest written accounts are, of course, from the 19th century, which is interesting because, you know, like many of the stories that we have today, some of the writings are much younger than the legends themselves. Right. So you have to wonder how much legend has changed since then. Um Especially with somebody who's not like, you know, unlike the Bible, for example, people have been telling the stories of the Bible for whatever your belief system is, thousands of years and millennia, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But each story has been carefully written and rewritten to preserve the original story. And of course, there's minor changes through translations and stuff like that, but more or less they're the same story. And that just doesn't quite happen with some of these other legends. So anyway, you know, when it comes to the Yule Cat, I think this is probably one of my favorites. Because it is vastly different from some of these other stories. Yes, it still eats children, as it seems like all of our characters have so far. Uh, but it's interesting hearing about a giant cat doing it, not some crazy monster with however many tails and eyes and horns and this and that. It's just your normal cat, just, you know, like big Clifford size. Right. Well, the thing that I, I thought was interesting about it is, yeah, it has to do with children's chores, but it goes kind of specifically with farming. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of how the, the cat would know because if you got everything harvested, you had enough to sell and eat. So then obviously your parents had enough to buy you new clothes mm-hmm. where the, the lazy kids, 
didn't get the new clothes because they, they didn't harvest enough and right. they let stuff die. So I thought it was actually a really good legend. Again, I mean, it is odd, but most of these are. I mean, look at our number one, Krampus. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, this Krampus, we've talked about Krampus in the past. Um, so we can go over some of the lore, but, I mean, you guys have heard heard this before. Uh, you know, Krampus was a basically an evil demon, anti Santa Claus character. Um, sometimes he's portrayed as Santa's evil twin, um, and he carries a stick and a sack behind him to carry off children and eat them if they've been bad, or uh, give them treats if they've been good. Uh, it dates back to Austria and Germany, and uh, the the funny thing is, is a lot of these creatures or uh, anti clauses would travel with Santa on Saint Nicholas Day. On this says the fifth, but I believe it's the sixth, is it not? Uh, well, if it's to the Smithsonian, uh, I would assume it's the fifth because that's what the Smithsonian sells us. Oh, okay. Um. So they travel with him on that day instead of actual Christmas, which is the 25th of December. Um, but we know Santa to travel on the 25th and, or 24th rather, and, and give presents for the 25th. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Krampus was this almost beast-like looking demon with horns and, uh, jagged teeth, elf-like ears. And, uh, he was just not a very nice character. Um, what are some of the stuff that I'm leaving out? I'm sure I'm leaving out quite a bit. Well, you know, one thing that is interesting, we had covered this many, many years ago, uh, um, the first episode we ever did for Christmas, uh, on Night Stalkers. And, you know, a lot of people see Krampus going around on his own nowadays. He just does things on his own separate from Santa. And usually it's the night before Santa shows up. He shows up a day or two beforehand. Maybe that's what um, I was I was seeing. Oh, Krampus night is December 5th, which St. Yeah. Nicholas Day would be December 6th. Okay. Except that the legend, original legend has it where he would historically come around the night of December 5th, but tagging along with St. Nicholas. He would visit all the houses okay. uh with St. Nicholas and while St. Nicholas uh, is putting candy in the shoes of good kids and birch twigs in the shoes of bad kids, Krampus would be there to punish the naughty kids. Uh, and usually he would use, I know in, in the original lore, he would use a stick or branches and he'd whack the kids. Um, however, there is legend that says that throughout the Christmas season, misbehaved kids are not only beaten with birch branches, but they can also disappear stuffed into Krampus's sack and hauled off to his lair to be tortured or eaten. Now what's interesting is that Krampus actually uh, has a connection to Hades and some believe that Krampus will take the kids back to Hades with him, or in this case, hell. Um, and that's where they would spend the rest of their lives being tortured for their bad deeds. So, you know, it's really interesting. I think to me, how much it's the legend has already changed, even from a few years ago, because mm-hmm. we we did that at the original episode on Krampus uh, back in 2009. Mm-hmm. And the history that we had on Krampus back then is vastly different from the history that there is now. Roughly what was it eight years later, nine years later, something like that, right? Okay. Um, In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators as well as some of the voice and screen actors that helped shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. So we start to see how when people become more and more enthralled by some of these characters, the legend slowly begins to change over time with it. 
Now, his name uh, with the German Krampen uh, actually means claw. And tradition has it that he's the son of a Norse god of the underworld, hell. Uh, during the 12th century, the Catholic Church attempted to banish Krampus' celebrations because of his resemblance to the devil. But more eradication attempts followed in 1934 in the hands of at the hands of Austria's conservative Christian Social Party. Uh, but of course, none of it held, and Krampus emerged as a much feared and beloved holiday force. So much so that he is now making his way into America. I know Orlando has a has a uh, Krampus parade mm-hmm. happening this year for the first time. L.A. has had one for the last couple of years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it's creepy. I almost want to see one of these parades. I know you do too. Uh, kind of want to be a part of one of these just to see. Obviously, it's more of a history thing, you know, learning, <laughs> educational experience, not actually participating. Uh, but I'm still interested to see what these people really do, you know, during these, you know, experience firsthand instead of just going by the stories because the stories aren't always true. Um, but of course, speaking of the parade, let's talk about that because the Leanne's annual Krampus parade, also known as a word I will not even try to pronounce, <laughs> resurrects a centuries old tradition. Basically, young men in town dress up as a mythical creature and parade through the streets in an ancient pagan ritual meant to disperse what? Do you know? I don't know. This is very similar to Halloween tradition with our jack-o'-lanterns. Okay. Disperse candy? Do jack-o'-lanterns disperse candy, Justin? In my world, they do. <laughs> In your world, they do. They disperse winter ghosts. Oh. Jack-o'-lanterns disperse evil spirits. Um, so in this case... Oh, disperse. I was thinking dispense. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the show, folks. <laughs> we'll catch you all next week. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, so meant to disperse winter ghosts. They march dressed in fursuits and carved wooden masks and, of course, carrying cowbells, uh, which is actually very important to the Krampus, to Krampus as well. It's kind of making his presence known. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trans, the tradition, uh, known as the Krampus run is having a resurgence throughout Austria, Germany, Slovenia, Hungary, and the Czech Republic. And again, as I mentioned earlier, has gained recognition in the United States, both in Orlando and, of course, in L.A. And I'm sure there's plenty of other small places around the country that are starting to do this as well. Um, I think when it comes there, – there's a reason Krampus is number one on our list. And it's not simply because he's the most popular nowadays, but it's because he's just the most frightening and devil-like creature for the Christmas season. I mean this guy – sure – He's not killing kids necessarily like these other ones, but instead he's torturing them for millennia, for all we know, forever. We don't know. Uh, and when you really look at the description of this character and then you see the pictures based on the description, you start to see why he's feared by not just children, but even adults in some countries uh, who, who believe that the Krampus is actually even real. Right. Well, I mean, it's... I think it's a better representation of, like we were saying with um, a couple of these, where they're good and they do both good and bad children, where this, it was Krampus specifically for the bad kids and Santa for the good. Right. So I, I think that he's one of the very few that embody that particular that particular uh, view. All right, folks, I think uh, we're going to go to our break here. You've been listening to Paratruth Radio right here at paratruthradio.com. We'll be right back after this. A creature emerges from his slumber, only to be told he is a griffin with the name Achilles. The twisted mind of Dr. York Hampshire believed he could keep such a creature in a lab without consequences. However, bigger secrets are being revealed. What is this mad scientist doing with creatures and humans? The legendary creatures project The Griffin by Justin Conciliere, available now at Amazon.com. Get your copy today before the lights get turned off on this project. Hey, Parafans. Do I have a deal for you? The people over at Loot Crate are giving our listeners 
a 10% savings on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. LootCrate is this awesome monthly mystery smorgasbord of a package that you get stuffed with different things from different genres, such as Zelda, Fallout, Harry Potter, and so many more. So to get your 10% savings, make sure you go to trylootcrate.com forward slash paratruth. Again, that's trylootcrate.com forward slash paratruth and enter bridge 10 to get 10% savings on any new subscription. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we've been discussing the eight monsters of Christmas. I believe there's probably more, but these specific eight are some of the most fearsome, in my opinion, that uh, we probably could come across. Um, so to kind of break it down a little bit, I, I think that a lot of our legends for Santa Claus today come into a mashup of all of these different beings, even though some of them travel with St. Nicholas. Most of them have fell to the wayside, except for maybe Krampus. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? Uh, I agree. Um, I mean, I, I, like I said, Krampus is starting to make his debut as a loner now. Um, but when it comes down to the actual legend of both Santa and Krampus, we're seeing a true yin and yang here. Uh, they're completely reverse of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, one who's a saint, one who literally is like the devil, um, one carrying out punishments, one giving gifts uh, uh, and rewards. You know, it, we're seeing almost the literal mirrored opposite of each other here. And so I think Krampus, even though he's starting to go out on his own in the legends, he's still very much that reverse effect of what Santa Claus is. So as we would know today as Fred Claus. Right. <laughs> it's Fred Claus. <laughs> If you, if you guys have ever seen scarier. the movie anyways. <laughs> Just a little scarier. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, actually, the Fred Claus story kind of goes back a little bit further than the movie. But, yeah, I mean, it's way scarier than the Fred Claus that is in any, in any stories. <laughs> so this is the the... Eight Monsters episode, guys, where we've been talking about the different monsters that we came across for Santa for Christmas in our Paratruth Christmas edition. So I I think that uh, we covered a lot of great stuff. I hope you guys have some thoughts on it. I'd love for you guys to comment uh, as well as get in contact with us. Just go to paratruthradio.com and click on the contact tab. Uh, you can also find the Paratruth t-shirts there now uh we are working on getting one with krampus i know i said that last week uh but our artist was sick so he is working on that so stay tuned for that as well um we've got some pretty interesting stuff coming up for paratruth radio uh a little bit of what's going on is we're gonna be switching to a uh season type format for for paratruth radio now the reason we're switching to a season format is basically time but even more importantly money we're lacking the funds to continue doing the show on a regular basis and so we're going to have to take i think we said a few weeks i'm thinking probably more like a month maybe month and a half off uh and and during that time we're going to try to come up with some other shows uh and a new season that's going to really be based uh overall around one particular topic for example aliens for one season or for example like we're doing now christmas for a month that's one example of a season um it, but but it really comes down to funds you know it's really hard to pay for the subscriptions that we have and we have plenty um and we're we're just we're just drowning a little bit uh it's hard to continue doing the show on a regular basis with the lack of funds and with just the amount of time that we're missing away from family and friends and the other things that we projects that we're working on justin's book my films et cetera et cetera uh but with that said, the one way that we can actually continue doing the show on a regular basis and not take breaks 
is to have some more funding. And that's where you guys, our listeners, our fans, uh, help us out. Um, there's going to be a link on the Paratruth website. There's also going to be one on Facebook, uh, and I'm sure a couple other places that you can click on. It's not up yet, but it will be soon, uh, where you can donate money. And we're doing something a little different this time uh, on like our Patreon account several months back because we have more stuff to offer. Uh, one thing in particular Justin was talking about to me before the show was something called the Discord server, where basically you can get in contact with, with us uh, 24-7, Monday through Sunday. Uh, contact us anytime and we can respond immediately uh, or almost immediately. Another thing we're going to do is have some special videos that we're going to give to people who are uh, donating as well. These videos are going to consist of a number of different things, such as outtakes, uh, special interviews that were conducted but never made it to air, uh, behind-the-scenes footage uh, or audio um, things like that. And on top of that, depending on how much you are willing to donate, uh, you will possibly receive something from our store. Uh, and that could be anything from a mug or a sticker to a t-shirt, um, hats, pillows, et cetera, et cetera. We have many things that we're willing to offer. Uh, so you're, you're it's important to just let you know, you know, if you donate money, you're not doing it just because you love the show and you're supporting us, uh, but it's you're going to receive something. You're going to be some, receive something more than just a new episode every week. You're going to receive something that you can hold on to, something you can put on your wall or you know keep on your couch, whatever, depending on what it is. So there's plenty to come from that. And I think the most important thing about donating is you will officially become a member of Paratruth Radio. And what that means is basically being established as a member is that your name can be brought up on the show. We can even have you on as a guest interview. Uh, if you're interested in a certain topic you'd like to discuss with us, we can have you on. Uh, you get some insight as to what we're doing before a show airs, uh, things like that. So it's really, really cool thing. Donating uh, doesn't mean, hey, give us $20, $30. It's anything you wish. It could be a dollar, it could be five dollars, ten dollars, twenty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, as much as you want. Uh, and you could do this on a one-time basis, or you can have it scheduled for a monthly basis or whatever you want to do. Uh so it's completely up to you guys, but in the end, we're struggling a little bit financially. It's a lot of work. Uh I know Justin puts in a lot of time to this radio show more than I do, to be honest. I'm doing other projects on the side. Uh and so Justin really does place a lot of his time in the show. And I think it's important that we have the funding to continue doing it. Otherwise we're going to have to continue with this new seasonal thing. And it'll be kind of, kind of cool for us taking a break, but it's going to be rough for the listeners who really like our show. And we love the show. We want to do this on a regular basis. Uh, but unfortunately we're going to have to start taking a couple months off between seasons. So, yeah. well, and this is how it'll, it, Eric, Broke it down a little bit easier than I probably could have, but uh, it'll still be the Patreon thing where you can have a monthly subscription, or I'll also be putting up a link on the on our website paratruthradio.com where you can just just do the one month payment. But you'll we'll still have that same tier program where if you donate one dollar, it's just hey, thank you so much. Here here's a video. Here's our Discord server, uh, or a t-shirt if you donate the certain amount or whatever. So it'll, it'll still have that tier feel to it, but it, you don't have to pay the monthly fee because there's going to be other stuff that you get with the, if you donate to the Patreon account with, with the monthly uh, subscription. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a, a good thing. I know we tried the Patreon thing in the past and we took it down. Uh, I think that we have, like Eric said, a lot more to offer now, so we have more incentive for you guys to donate. So I hope you guys are looking forward to the many more episodes coming up. If you feel the urge to help us out, the links will be provided in the show notes as well as just go to paratruthradio.com, and the link will be there as well. Um, A lot of... Great stuff coming up next week. I want you guys to get in contact with us. 
Uh, we're going to be doing two things for next week. We're going to be doing a best of show as well as doing kind of a Q&A. So if you have any questions, uh, something that we haven't covered or just questions about us personally that we haven't really touched on, which is probably quite a bit because we don't really bring our personal life into the into the show, but uh, get in contact with us. I would love to hear from you guys and uh, touch base on those things on air. Yeah, absolutely. And next week is actually going to be a special episode because of it, so it's going to be a longer episode as well. Right. Uh, so plenty of stuff to talk about next week. It'll be fun time, bringing in the new year. Yeah, and Christmas as well. And Christmas, yeah. All right, folks. So until next week where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. Comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.